way, it is great to have you here this evening as we celebrate the birth of Christ. And what we like to do at Journey Church is we like to have fun. That's one of our actual values. We believe church should be a place where people come. And yes, you enjoy each other. You have a great time. So what we do each and every year is what we have, what we call a um, Christmas gift card giveaway, okay? And this year, I have some, a lot of gift cards. I have like eight gift cards I want to give away. And we've got special people that we're going to give these cards out to. We have cards to Quick Trip. Any Quick Trip fans here say, yep. How about Culver's? Any Culver's people? Very disappointed. Took Grant there. They say, hey, I'm going to buy you lunch. And they were closed. So I said, Culver's, thanks for saving me a few dollars. Okay, let's go home and eat. Okay. And then we have Caribou gift cards, if you like Caribou. And then we have our grand prize of Mariachi Loco. Okay. All right. Mika, I am so happy that you're here tonight. You're my biggest fan here tonight. So Mika's a cheerleader that everybody else needs to follow, okay? So here we go. Grant's going to come. He's going to be the distributor of the cards. So Grant, just hold on to those, and um, people get to choose what they want. But we have like seven different, um, we have actually, yeah, seven different categories of gifts. And our first gift is geared towards those who, or the person that has traveled the furthest distance to be here tonight. Okay, let me put my glasses on here. Here's a funny one. San Diego thinks they won. Most years, San Diego would be a home run. But I, I gathered some information on the way in. And we're going international this year. So San Diego, we love you. Utah, we love you. Oklahoma, we love you. I mean, there's people from all over. Where else over here? Anybody? What states? New Hampshire, we love it, New Hampshire, don't we? Never been there, but I heard it's great. But tonight, I want to let you know, I think we have two young men from the country of England. So, so I don't know if anybody wants to zo- or put that on your map quest, see how long of a drive that is. It's not a drive, it's a long trip, but I'm sure it's got um, San Diego beat by just a few miles so Grant, why don't you work your way back to the Johnson Rose? We have two young men. We don't want to embarrass them, but Zach's friends from England, we want to say welcome to you. You guys get to choose. Grant, come over this way. Grant, they get to choose what gift cards they would like, so let them determine if it's mariachi or whatever, whatever. So right there. So let them choose. Here's our next category. This one's really up for, um, up for grabs. I have no idea who this would be. Who is the couple that is the most recently married couple? Let's start with, um, is there anybody that's been married a less than one year? How about two years? Ooh, all right. So Grant, do you see those hands right there? They get one card, let them choose which one. They got to fight for it as husband and wife. I'm sure it's going to, yeah, we know who's going to win that. And all the guys said, okay, just give it to the wife, okay? That's just the way it goes here. We know, we know, we know. We've been there. So let's give them a hand tonight. All right. (laughs) 
Okay, with that same frame of mind on marriage, because we're big into marriage here at Journey Church, how about the couple that's most Christmases together as husband and wife? Let's start at 40 years. If you got your hand, 40 years, if you've been married 40 years, everybody with 40 or more, raise your hand. Everybody with 40 or more, raise your hand. 45, 45, 45. Oh, we got some people in a dogfight here. Okay. How about 50, 50, 50? Okay. Let's give it up for Erlen in Maryland tonight. All right. Okay. So Erlen, big question for you. How many years has it been? 59. Woo! So Erlen, one more question. What's the key to be married 59 years? Patience. Patience. Have patience. Okay. Well, congratulations to 59 years of marriage. That is outstanding. Here we go. I think this, we got another, I have an idea who's going to win this. Largest family present tonight. Okay. How about if you have a family over five? Everybody with families over five, raise your hand. You got family of five with you tonight. You, they got to be, let's go up to seven. Seven. Family of more than seven. Oh, we're somewhere between, how many you have back here, ma'am? Seven. You have seven with you? Where are they at? Where's the rest of them? Oh, they're over there. Okay. Eight. San Diego people back there are going to win eight. Let's give it Grant right there. Okay. Hey, really cool thing about this family is we need to give honor to whom honors do. Don't you agree? And tonight in that family, we have two young people that are serving in the United States Marine Corps. All right. All right. We won't embarrass them, but we do want to say thank you to those two young people that are serving our country we thank you, we thank you, and we honor you tonight. Thank you for being with us. Awesome. Okay, here we go. This is a fun one. Parent, parents with the youngest, parents with the youngest child. So let's start with does anybody have a, a child under one? Anybody with a child under Mr. Derricks, how old is your daughter? He had to look at his wife. <laughs> is that right, Becca? Is he right? Okay. Is there anybody who has under 11 months beat? Okay, let's give it up for the Derricks family. Okay, fantastic. Okay, we got a couple weird ones here now. We're going to look at, this is the one that my wife suggested that we give a prize to tonight, and that is the family with the most Christmas pets. What was it? <laughs> Okay. Well, anyway, who has the most pets in your house tonight? Over, over five. I'm going to get nervous if there's somebody over five. How about in the house, over four? Over three? Okay, let's, let's give it the globets here tonight. All right. Last one tonight, and I got... Grant, how many more do we have? Okay. Here's the one I'm just kind of doing. This is more of a test for me. Is there anybody here tonight that's here as a direct result that you're here the only reason because you saw the sign in the front yard of the church? Is there anybody here tonight in that category 
The only reason you're here is because you saw the sign, nobody invited you. Okay, I'm wasting money then, right? Okay, lesson learned. Check that one off. No sign next. No sign next year. Okay. So let's do this, Grant. Let's um, give this card to what? What card do we have left? One quick trip. One caribou. Let's do this. Bring bring them up to me, Grant. I'm going to give them out during my message tonight for special questions. Now people are going to respond, right? <laughs> Thank you. All right. So let's just do this. Let's change gears. Everybody's welcome today. Thank, or, um, we're, we're welcoming you here. We're glad that you're here on Christmas Eve. We want to have you out of here right at five o'clock. So let's dive in. But let's begin. Let's just take a minute, pause. Let's pray for this message tonight that it would touch people's hearts and that God would be at work by his spirit doing what only he can do. Father, we thank you for this evening. We thank you for the opportunity to open up your word. I just pray, Lord, that you give us ears to hear, hearts to receive. And we just pray that these would be moments that would be labeled special, not because of who we are, but because of who you are. And Lord, we just give you this time. We commit it to you in Jesus' name. And everyone said, amen. Hey, I do want to introduce myself. If you haven't been here before, maybe you haven't been here for a while. My name is Mike. I have an opportunity to preach the pastor of this church and I just want to make sure that everyone feels welcome. And um, hey, if you're ever looking for a place to come and visit, even outside of Christmas Eve, we're here every Sunday morning, except next Sunday at 9.30. We'd love to have you. Hey, I want to begin tonight with an icebreaker. I like to get people engaged to help people just to relax and settled in. So I got this question, and that is, when it comes to Christmas gifts, so let's think along the lines of Christmas gifts. My question is to each and every person, Does your family open Christmas gifts on Christmas Eve, or do you open gifts on Christmas morning? We're going to take a survey. I'm kind of interested what that looks like in your family. So all the people that open gifts tonight on Christmas Eve, why don't you just raise your hand tonight so we can see all who those people are. Keep your hands in the air. These are the Christmas Eve people. By the way, these are, keep your hands up. These are the people that are going to be able to sleep in tomorrow morning. <laughs> Their kids won't be saying, oh, come on, Dad, can we get up yet? All that excitement, energy will be gone through the opening of gifts tonight. So not many, but some. How about all those people who are doing it right? Oh, I mean, how about all those people... <laughs> Oh, Lord, forgive me for allowing that to slip out. No, how about all those people that open gifts are going to wait till tomorrow? They're going to open gifts on Christmas morning. Wow, okay. These are all the people that are going to be up at the wee hours of the morning. If you grew up in my house, I was the, in the middle of six kids. There were three older, two younger, and I was always the guinea pig that would say, hey, they would say, Michael, Michael. Go ask dad if we can get up yet. The first time I asked that was at 1 a.m. <laughs> and he'd say, go back to bed. Then they'd say at about 2 o'clock, Michael, Michael, go in and ask dad if we can get up. And he'd say, no, we can't get up yet. Finally, about 3.30, dad, can, we're ready. We're excited. He said, let's just get this done with. <laughs> Merry Christmas, Right. And then you'd wake up and you'd open gifts for a half hour and we'd be sleeping on the floor by 4 a.m., okay? That's our story of the house we grew up, okay? So um, 
Whatever the case is before tonight, opening gifts, or tomorrow morning, what I do want to say is seriously is I want to just say enjoy, enjoy, enjoy your time together with family. You know, I think family is on the big three. I think first is our relationship with Christ. I think second is family. And then third, right up there, is our, our, our health. So I just want to encourage you to enjoy Christmas together with your family. If you have that opportunity, embrace it, enjoy it. It's a great gift that God gives us. And I know in our family, we're waiting for one more person to come home tomorrow morning. And we can't wait to have Nolan back from Oklahoma. We're going to have a blast, okay? All kinds of food, all kinds of games. It's just going to be a lot of fun. So here's what we've been doing at Journey Church for the last three weeks. What we've been doing is we've been looking at a Bible verse, and it's a Bible verse that's really, really a big verse during this time of the year, the Christmas season. And it's a verse that, no lie, I think I got at least three, four, possibly five different Christmas cards with this one verse on it. And the verse that we've been looking at, the verse I'm referring to, is this verse found in Isaiah chapter 9, verse 6. So Grant, can you do me one more favor? Can you bring this banner right over here by me? I forgot to do that. So let's give it up for Grant. Thank you for your help. Isaiah 9, 6. Okay. We're going to read the verse in its entirety in just a moment here. But what I want to do is I want to give you the context in which the verse is written. And the context is there's a prophet whose name is Isaiah. That's where we get the name of the book, Isaiah. And what Isaiah is doing is he's delivering a message of hope. He's delivering a message of peace. And he's delivering this message of hope and peace to the people of Israel while they're experiencing what is called a season of gloom and a season of darkness. And we read those exact words taken from the previous chapter, verses, or chapter 8. They were facing gloom and darkness. And the cause of the gloom and darkness was there was a threat that the people of Israel were going to be taken into captivity by this big superpower called the Assyrians, okay? And so what God's doing through the prophet Isaiah, he's offering the people a message of hope during a difficult hour, okay, during a trying time, a time of gloom and darkness. And the interesting thing is God's not offering a message, hey, then I'm going to give you a strong military, a big force. No, God says, in the midst of your most threatening time, I'm going to send you a baby. You're like, a baby? What's a baby going to do? And we're going to see that as we look at the next verse. So let's look at the verse Isaiah chapter 9, verse 6, okay? And it says this, it says, For a child is born to us, a son is given to us. And the verse says this, the government will rest on his shoulders. And here it is, and he will be called. I hope we feel comfortable. If you do, let's join in. If you don't, that's fine too. And he will be called, everybody together, wonderful counselor, mighty God, everlasting Father, and the Prince of Peace. So here's my question. We, um, we asked this question this past Sunday also, and that is, who is the prophet Isaiah referring to when he says he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace? Who is the prophet referring to? Hold. 
I saw a young man raise his hand back here. Yes, Jesus. Come on up here. Is this Vaughn? There you go, my friend. Good job tonight. Let's give it up for Vaughn. Good answer. Thank you. Good job. Jesus, man. I like how with such confidence, Jesus. Everybody, let's just say that name together. Jesus. Hey, I got one more gift card, and it's going to be for this next question, so please don't shout it out. Just like school, but I want you to raise your hand just like Vaughn did. And the question is, how many years before the birth of Jesus, how many years before the birth of Jesus were these names given to him? Because here's the deal, gang. Mary didn't that night say, okay, let's Joseph, let's name him these four names. No, that's not how it worked. But how many years before the birth of Christ were these names given to Jesus? I'm looking for the youngest person tonight. Yes. 700 years. All right, let's hear it for 700. Okay. By the way, I don't have any more gift cards. So the rest of my questions are just up to you. That is so cool. Jesus is given these four names. And these four names were given some 700 years before his birth. Okay. So we've looked at the name Wonderful Counselor. We know that Jesus is wonderful, and he does wonderful things still today. We know that Jesus is God, the mighty God. We know that Jesus was God from the beginning, and he left heaven to become fully God, fully man. He became like us. John 1.14 says he left heaven, and he came, and he moved into the neighborhood. He became just like us. And then last week, we looked at this name, Everlasting Father. And we said this, that Jesus has all the different qualities of an amazing father. And last week in our service, what we did is we looked at that one of the qualities that Jesus has as a father is this. He has this quality that he is this amazing what? Does anybody remember? Everybody say provider. He's an amazing provider. He's an everlasting father. What I want to do this afternoon is I want to look at this last name that his name will be called the Prince of Peace. So let's break this down. Let's look at the first word, and that is the word prince, okay? And that is a word that in this context of the Old Testament, we know that it's written in what language? The Hebrew, the Hebrew language and that word in Hebrew is simply pronounced sar, S-A-R. And this is what the word sar means. It means this. It means the leader. It means this, the commander. It also has the connotation of the one that is responsible. Here's the one person that is responsible to deliver the peace every time. Here's also another name. It has this the one who is the one who provides us with peace. And I want to let you know tonight that Jesus is the one who delivers. Amen? Jesus is the one who provides the peace that we need. Folks, the peace that this world is looking for tonight is not found in some other thing, but the peace that people are looking for is found in a person. And that person that people are looking for is Jesus Christ. He is the prince. 
And let's look at the second word, the word peace. And the first thing, I'm going to mention three things about peace, so don't miss these. Number one, I want you to hear this. Everybody just lean just a little forward, at least in your heart, lean forward. Hear what I'm about ready to say. And that is that peace is not. Peace is not. Peace is not the absence of conflict. Peace is not the absence of struggle and conflict in your life. I want to let you know, as long as you live on planet Earth, there will be great seasons in your life. There will be seasons when everything is going really well. And may I suggest that during those seasons that you stop and you say what? Thank you, Lord. Because the Bible says everything good, everything perfect comes from where? From God. But I want to let you know there will also be seasons in your life where there will be conflict. There will be seasons in your life where there will be struggles. There will be seasons where there's gloom and when there's darkness. Just five minutes, just five minutes before coming over to the church tonight, I received a text. And I received a text from a good friend. And my good friend says, my family remains under attack. And here's what happened. Just about three weeks ago, my friend lost his brother to a drug overdose. Very sad moment. Now today he calls me and tells me these words. He says, my mother's house has burnt to the ground. And my mother's two adopted grandchildren have died in the fire. This is real life. This is where people live. Why? Because we live in a world of conflict, a world of struggle. We live in a world that's broken. When Adam and Eve sinned in the beginning, brokenness came into the world, a bunch of ugly things. But I want to let you know that peace is not an absence of those things. How many people know you can still have peace in the middle of those things? Are you hearing me this morning or this evening? You can have peace while you're going through the darkest hour of your life. Second thing I want, to know, want you to see is that the Hebrew word for peace is this word. Everybody say it together, shalom. Look at your neighbor and say shalom. Oh, I just love that, shalom. By the way, shalom is a Hebrew. It's a Jewish, what it is, it's a common greeting. It's a common farewell. So if you're in the Jewish culture, when you first come up onto somebody, you say what? Everybody together, shalom. And then when you're about to depart, you say what? Shalom. Okay. So here's what I want you to do tonight. When you get to your next stage of the night, and you walk in and you see some new people at the dinner or at the party, I want you to walk in and say, shalom. And everybody will say, wow, that guy, that gal, they're smart, okay? So shalom, it's, it's this greeting, greeting. So what does that word shalom mean? Let's look, take a cl- close look quickly. Shalom means wholeness. It means that everything is together. There's wholeness. There's not broken pieces but there's completeness, there's wholeness. There's the second word, completeness. That's shalom. Another word for shalom is the word, there's harmony. A fourth one would be the word blessing, well-being. Those are all words that would describe the context of the word shalom. So I want to let you know that everything about shalom is really, really good. It's what we all desire in every area, every compartment of our life, we are people that are looking for peace. 
And I want to say this, there's three types of peace. And I just want to go through these real quickly tonight, three types of peace. And the first type of peace is super duper important. If you don't hear anything else, I say the rest of the message, please hear this. The most important type of peace that we all need in our life is called upward peace. You can call it vertical peace. Appropriately, you can call it the peace with God. I want to let you know your greatest need tonight, you may not even be aware of it. You're not even thinking along these lines. Life is good. Everything's good. This, but I want to let you know the greatest need in every person's life is for us to have peace with God. Because when we entered this world, our relationship with God was not whole. When we entered this world, our relationship with God is broken. And the the reason why there's brokenness is because something called sin. It breaks our relationship with God. The Bible would actually say, not me, but the Bible would say that we're actually enemies of God. So what we need is we need to be brought back into wholeness. We need to be brought back into peace. And how is that possible? Well, there's one verse that says it all. Romans 5.1, Paul writes these words. He says, therefore, since we have been made right in God's sight by faith, check out the verse. Where are we going? We have peace with God. That's what Paul says. We have peace with God. Why? Because of what Jesus Christ, our Lord, has done for us. Listen, The only way that you and I can have this peace, this upward peace, is by putting our faith in Jesus and all that he has done for us. What did he do? He came to earth. Fully God, where he was from the very beginning of time, he came to earth, he became a man, he died on the cross, why? For our sins. And on the third day, he rose from the grave, God's way of saying, I accept the work of forgiveness. So here's the question I have for everyone here tonight. Please address this question either tonight or sometime in your life. Listen carefully. I want you to ask this question to yourself. Do I have peace with God? I was speaking on the phone just yesterday to a guy that's about 90 plus years old on dialysis just about at the end of his life. I said, well, how are you doing? He said, here's how I'm doing. It's not easy, but I know that I have peace with God. And I tell you what, that makes all the difference in the world. Do you have peace with God? And the only way to have peace with God is not by you doing the right things and good works and all this and that. The only way to have peace with God is through his son, Jesus Christ, simply by putting faith in him. Second type of faith is called outward, or peace is called outward peace. This is what we could call horizontal peace. And this is the peace that we are called to have with the people around us. This is the peace that we're supposed to have. We're supposed to have whole relationships with our spouse, with our parents, with our children, with our neighbors, our coworkers, people we go to school with, our teammates. And that is outward peace. And my question is, are our relationships broken or are our relationships whole and healthy? I want you to look at this great verse. Paul writes in Romans 12, 18, he says, if it is possible, if it's possible, as far as it depends upon you. So don't even bring the other person into the equation. As far as it depends on you. 
Paul says, live at peace with everyone. What's Paul doing? He's putting it in your court. He's giving you the personal responsibility to be a person of peace in your relationships. You're to take the first step. You're to take the personal responsibility and go forward with peace. So let me ask you this question. Do you have peace in your personal relationships? Do you have peace? Is there wholeness? Is there completeness? Is there well-being and blessing in your relationships? If not, we need to pursue that peace. Third type of peace is the peace that I really feel like I want to camp out on tonight. And the third type of peace is called inward peace. This is the type of peace that we could say peace of mind. We could say we have it's well with our soul, peace, inward peace. And here's the deal today. There's a lot of people going through life on their journey of life with all the craziness that's going on in our world, all the uncertainty that's going on in our world. There's a lot of people that don't have peace, inward peace. There's even a lot of people who have said yes to Jesus Christ. They have peace with God, but they don't have peace on the inside. They're not experiencing that inner peace each and every day of their lives. So they're just going through this torment, through a life of just hurt and pain. So why is it that there's so many people living without peace? Even people who know God, even people who are in right relationship with him, going through their life, not living in peace. Why is that? And there's many different answers of why people are living without peace. We could say fear. Fear is a big one in our world today. But there's one biggie as we wind up here tonight that I want to share why people don't have peace. And that is the word, let's all say it together, anxiety. Anxiety is at an all-time high in our culture today. And people of all ages, We even see it now in kids in middle school and high school and college kids. We see it in young adults. We see it in people of all ages. They're living in a world full of anxiety. There's no peace in their heart. They're not whole, but they're broken. So what is anxiety? Anxiety is fear or nervousness about what may happen. It's all about the future. They have this anxiety about the future. What's going to happen? What's going to happen with my health? What's going to happen in my finances? And it's a bunch of what ifs as we look into the future. What's going to happen with my children? Oh no, what's going to happen bringing up kids in the world that we live in today? There's anxiety. This is crazy. It's never been like this before. What's going to happen with my kids? What's going to happen with our our country. What's going to happen? Anxiety, anxiety, anxiety is everywhere that we turn. And actually, this anxiety is leading to a physical sickness, a mental sickness in many people. And it's keeping them from the peace that Jesus Christ wants to offer you today, regardless of your surroundings, even when you're in struggle, even when you're in conflict. He's saying peace is available, but how is that even possible? What I want to do tonight is I want to close by looking at one verse. Actually, it's two verses. And the answer to this question comes from a guy named Paul. If you don't know Paul, he's the guy that wrote two-thirds of the New Testament that you have right in front of you. 
If you don't know about Paul, he's not writing these words while he's on a beach in a retirement village. What you need to know about Paul is he's writing these words while he's sitting in a Roman prison waiting his execution. So he's not in the greatest condition, the greatest place. He's in brokenness. He's in struggle. He's in conflict. A lot like many people in this room tonight. But I want you to listen to what Paul says is the cure to anxiety so that you can walk in peace. Because I believe it's God's will for God's children to be people who have peace, who have wholeness in your life, in your mind, in your emotions, in your physical well-being. Paul writes these words, and I know it almost sounds like impossible, but it's the truth. Paul says right here, he says, do not be anxious about, anybody say that, everybody say that word together. Do not be anxious about, really, Paul? Do you know what world we're living in in 2021? How many people know God knows? So let's read that again. Do not be anxious about. And here's the antidote. Pray about, and everybody said, everything. Tell God what you need. It's much bigger than tell God what you want. No, it's tell God what you need and thank him for all that he has done. Verse 7. Here's the promise. If you do that, then you will experience God's peace, God's shalom, God's wholeness, God's completeness in your life, which exceeds anything we can understand. Then he goes on to say, his peace will guard your hearts and they will guard your mind as you live in Christ Jesus. So people who are lacking peace tonight, I just want to give you three simple steps to follow. You're anxious, you're worried, you're living in fear. Three steps I want you to follow. Number one is right here. Stop worrying. And I know that sounds almost like, um, Mike, that's too simple. Really? Stop worrying? See, Worry is made up of two words. One part of the word means to divide. The second part of the word means the mind. So here's what's happening when we worry is we're dividing our mind between what is legitimate thoughts and destructive thoughts. And I want to let you know when you focus on destructive thoughts for too long, your behavior is going to follow. Your health is going to follow your emotions are going to follow. So we need to stop worrying, okay? Need to stop worrying because your thoughts are going to impact your behavior. So stop. Paul's saying, you just got to come to this place. Stop. But he doesn't stop there. He goes on. He says this. He says, instead of worrying, you should what? Everybody say the word together. So what you want to do here is you want to replace a negative with a positive. What you want to do here is every time you're tempted to worry about something in the future that you have no control over, and usually it's something that's not going to happen anyway, believe me, who can testify of that? That's what they find in studies, by the way. I want to encourage you to stop worrying and begin to pray. I want to let you know tonight, if it's big enough to worry about, it's big enough to pray about. 
And I want to encourage you. I know this sounds so churchy. I'm almost, sometimes I'm almost embarrassed to say this, but even though we're in church, this works. This works. Are you hearing me tonight? This works. To stop the worry and replace it with prayer. Bring it before God. Remember, what is he? He is the mighty God. He can do anything. He is the wonderful counselor. He does wonderful things that are out of this world. That's the Jesus that we have in our life. We're not just calling on somebody just a little bigger or a little bigger, more powerful than us. We're calling on the one who created the heavens and the earth. We're calling on the one who sustains us and keeps the world in motion tonight. He is that powerful. And that's the one where he's calling, hey, don't worry. But turn that worry. Every time you're tempted to worry, turn it into a prayer. And then he says, don't stop there. There's a third step I want you to take. And that is, while you're in this process, thank God for everything. How many people know that even in our tough times, we have a lot to be thankful for? Is that true or not? Even in our tough times, we have so much to be thankful for. So this is what I want you to do tonight. If you're filled with worry, I want you to pray. But I also want you to take time this, the next two days during Christmas to write out 10 things that you're thankful for. And as you write out those 10 things that you're thankful for, you're like, wow. God truly is good. And I want to let you know he is a good, good father. If he's been with, for you in the past, he's not going to leave you. He's not going to forsake you. He's going to be there for you. So here's what we need to do. We need to stop worrying. Then what do we need to do? Everybody say it together. Pray. Pray. What's prayer? Prayer is basically us coming and growing our relationship with God. Through our times and prayers, we're getting closer to Jesus. Our answer may not come right away, but I tell you what, what's happening is you're growing your relationship with Jesus. Each time that you come and pray, you're growing closer to him. And then what's the third thing I want you to do instead of being filled with anxiety? What do you want to do? You want to give thanks. Now, I want to let you know, if we will turn off worry, turn on prayer, and turn on thanksgiving, what's going to happen is peace is going to begin to rise up. And peace is going to begin to replace the anxiety. It's going to begin to replace the fear. It's going to replace all those things in our life because we know that he is able. So I got three questions as we close this evening. So we want to end here tonight right on time. Three questions. Is everybody ready? Say, give it to me. Give it to me. All right, let's go. Question number one, I want you to answer this question. Do you have peace with God? Do you? I'm not talking about your parents. I'm not even talking about your spouse. I'm talking like you and I are sitting at Caribou drinking a cup of coffee face to face. Do you have peace with God? And the only way we have peace with God is how everybody say through, through Jesus. Do you have peace with God? Question number two, do you have peace with others? Do you have peace with the people in your life or are your relationships broke down? God says, I don't want your relationships to be broke down. I want them to be whole. I want them to be complete. 
I want them to be healthy. I want to let you know the answer may start with you doing the hard work, the heavy lifting, taking the initiative, taking the steps to approach those people so that you can have healthy relationships. Because often the quality of our life is determined in large part by the quality of our relationships. When our relationships are good, I tell you what, you can go through the deepest valley, but when our relationships are bad, you can have everything else in the world, but if they're not working, it's tough. So tonight, let me ask you one more time, do you have peace in your relationships? Could it be this Christmas season, God is calling you to take the initiative to be the peacemaker? Because Jesus said, blessed are what? The peacemakers, for they shall inherit the earth. Is there peace? And third and final question tonight is, do you have peace within? Do you have peace of mind? Do you have peace in your heart or are you filled with anxiety? You're continually worried, worried, worry, worry. As wise people have told me before, worry will kill you. And I really think that's true. If we continue to live that way, it can be very detrimental to our health, our emotional health, our physical health. And I want to let you know that's not why Jesus came. Jesus came so that we could be people that even in the midst of our struggles, our conflict, we could be people that we can still live victorious because we have peace. And we can have peace because peace is in a person. And that person's name is Jesus Christ. And that's why he came over 2,000 years ago. He came so that we could be people who live our life not worried-filled, not nervous, not in fear, but we can be people who live with peace. And that's the gift that he gives us tonight through his son Jesus is peace. So let's bow our heads and pray this evening. Lord, I pray right now for people in this room. I pray there will be people that will have peace with you. That will call upon the name of our Savior, Jesus. To come in and fix our relationship with you, God, that has been broken because of sin. And we'll call on you to be the one who fixes our relationship with God so that we can hold our heads high and say we have peace with our creator. Lord, I pray that everyone with beyond, everyone beyond a shadow of a doubt would know that they have peace with you. And Lord, that everyone here would be a promoter of peace in their relationships. Where there's relationships that are broken, that will be the catalyst to step up and say, we will take the first steps. We'll do the heavy lifting to do whatever is necessary to fix those relationships that are broken so they can be made whole and healthy again. And Lord, I pray for people right now that there are some people that are probably just, just physically not doing well. And a lot of it could be due to the fact that there's anxiety. And anxiety, what it means is we're broken into pieces. And our health gets broken into pieces and all these different things. But Lord, our wholeness can be found when we keep our eyes and our focus on Jesus Christ. So Lord, I pray that you'd be at work in our hearts and our lives this Christmas season. And we just thank you, Jesus, that you came down, 
And you came down to take care of the entirety of who we are. Not just one aspect or two aspects, but you came for our wholeness. You came for our wholeness. Spiritually, emotionally, physically, you came to give us peace. And we just thank you, Lord, that when we are lacking that, we can always come to you. And it's in Jesus' name we pray. And everyone together said, amen. Let's stand to our feet tonight. Mm-hmm.